0: welcome welcome back to the self-love letters for everyday superheroes talk show i am your host sacred walker i am so excited for the show that we have for you today today we have a special guest joining us simone gamble and i'm going to talk with you a little bit about the expertise that she brings to the table in a moment and the topic that we're going to be diving in so before we do make sure that you go ahead and subscribe below like and follow and connect, because we wanna make sure that we get you your self-love, your self-care and success strategies to your fingertips right away. So before we get started and dive in, let us do in the tradition of our talk show, take a deep breath in, inhale the self-love, let go of what no longer serves us in support of our lasting legacy because we were born to shine. Remember, I'm your host, Commit to making sure that we can reach 1 million visionary executives and entrepreneurs so that you can experience the well-being advantage. We want to help you, to support you, to transform your life, your legacy, so that you can shift and deepen self-love, enhance and increase your mental health and your mind-body well-being, and set you up for success with culturally affirming care and leadership development so that you can launch your vision and shine. Hop on over to selfloveforsuperheroes.com to learn about our up and coming events that we have, including our 21 day challenge that's about to come out. So do make sure that you add your name to the waiting list so that you can be the first to hear about when it drops. Okay, y'all, and make sure that you tune into the show notes below so that you can know at the end of this, the special sweet treat that you will get for tuning in to today's special episode. So without further ado, I want to introduce a special person who has joined us today, Simone Gamble. Simone Gamble is an amazing, amazing leader. And the minute that I met her, I knew that I was in a native whose family is from Trinidad, excuse me, and was raised by a black mom with roots in Mobile, Alabama is a non-binary femme who identifies as pansexual, who comes from and still identifies as working class, who grew up in NYCHA housing in New York City and has identified from that praxis since then. We're gonna be talking today about their experience, about how we can transform what we see in the world that's happening. They come in with a background of diversity, equity, and inclusion, justice, perspective, and wellness as a trainer and a leader, and a pioneer in their own right of their own business. And having come in and seen systematic neglect and coming in and transformed that in their own life and now supporting other organizations to do the same through justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion consulting, we want to make sure that we Bring in some of the tools so that as we begin to start the school year, we begin to start the fall season and adapt back into our workplaces, that we can be the change we want to see in the world. So, y'all, we're going to be having conversations today about what's happening, trending in the world, trending on social media and trending in what we see and what we are being impacted every single day. Right. Today's topic is how do you show up authentically at work? And how do you navigate all the things that you are seeing projected onto your body today? How do you navigate all of that and still show up as the powerhouse that you are? Without further ado, I am so happy to welcome Simone to our show. Thank you, Simone, for being here. Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. hey welcome powerhouse welcome to what i like to call for short the self love for everyday superheroes talk show so good to have you here welcome aboard you too thank you for that introduction i wish i could have
1: an applause like that every time i walk into a room it will be that's so right
0: <laughs> we should have that just every single time it's like <laughs> i am worthy <laughs> like the beyonce episode beyonce um you know um What is that music video when she's dressed in the yellow dress and the door's open and there's a flood of of Oshun water? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So everyone who is tuning in right now, just imagine that you are being doused by the very applause that just (laughs) came with that Queen Bey uh, experience. So, you know, just kind of landing in Simone for a moment, right? As we kind of settle into the topic of today, which is a big one, we're going to start off with just focusing in on like how people show up authentically and what are some of the things that we're seeing in social media that have yeah. made it hard for people to show up in culturally affirming ways based on your expertise and mine, So before we jump in, we want to know where you're coming from because we don't know you come, your family come from Caribbean and the South. Okay, so we got that part. But I would love to know a love song. A self-love song, a resilience song, an overcome, right? Lay my lay my burden song that really describes what you had to overcome to be the everyday superhero you are today. Absolutely. I love this question.
1: I think I would choose, funny enough, you mentioned Beyonce. I would choose Beyonce's My Power. Mm-hmm. Um I think I have a very interesting history in regards to resilience, a little background. I was actually adopted when I was very young. And so my biological family is from Trinidad, but the family that raised me is actually, has roots in Mobile, Alabama. Um, and so I was raised Baptist. Um, I was raised in a very African American household. And so a lot of that, that culture, those traditions are the things that helped to raise me. Um, and I think the biggest thing that helped me to be resilient was actually my mother. Um, My foster mother who took me in, who raised me, six of my brothers and two of my sisters, and helped us to realize that blood is thicker than water, that we are able to choose our family and figure out how do we maneuver through those spaces. And when she passed, when I was 15, I had to really figure out what was my power. Who was I without this person um, that helped to guide me and shake me into who I am? And so I think my resilience story is the place where I found my voice. Because a lot of times I allowed my mom to speak for me or I allowed her to guide my thoughts. And without her there, I had to really develop who was Simone without her favorite person? Um, What are the legacy pieces she left behind for me to recognize that my voice is powerful, whether she is here or not? And how do I guide other young people or other people in general to find their voice and recognize that it's needed in the world? So that song brings up all of that for me because she talks about history. She talks about her roots. And I think that is what I connect to so much too in the song. Hmm.
0: So repeat the song for us. So that for the folks who are tuning in and looking it up as they speak.
1: It's other guests in the song, but it's Beyonce, my power.
0: Mm, Beyonce, my power. Mm -hmm. So for those who are nodding your heads right now or know someone who might be nodding your heads and you wanna tag them and comment on in, go ahead and do so you can relate to this story. I can appreciate what you're saying, you know, and just, I wanna chime in and say that that's a part of my story as well as someone who comes from the Caribbean and who's lost her mom a couple of years ago, there can be such a shift, you know, in figuring out who am I, where is my voice and how do I connect to my legacy? right, and the layers of legacy, right, and some of the things that we saw our own family's biological chosen family, you know, had to overcome just to be here. Ooh. And so I appreciate kind of anchoring us. So we're going to take a moment now and just call in the ancestors we who grand. we've brought in. So if you have a moment and you have an ancestor you want to call in, go ahead and chime in, call them in. I'm just going to take a moment of silence to honor the mother's in this space. It's 30 seconds. Shay, Shea, oh, Shay. Thank you. So thank you for calling in that power, that ancestral power Absolutely. into the space and sharing your story. And so kind of in that vein, you know, it's interesting because you bring up, you know, the South and, and, and I, I couldn't help but speak into this because it's so much of what's happening. Um, so two things I listened to right before, literally before I interview, and I don't know if y'all have been tuning in. So one was a story of a woman who mm-hmm. had been, you know, disappeared 10 years ago. They didn't know what happened to her. And then mm-hmm. 10 years later, they found out that her husband had actually, or her boyfriend at the time, had actually um, kidnapped her mm-hmm. and 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 murdered her. And it was a whole thing, right, that that came out. And And so I think there's a lot of, whispers about you know believe us because of i guess the person who had told that story and then they found out that it wasn't quite accurate um and then the recent story about what happened in the south where the security guard who was just kind of telling people to dock the boat right and and telling the white men to dock the boat and move the boat so that the boat the the yacht can dock and how he ended up being a gang jumped and one of my babas Um, our community out there did a whole offering on that port just to honor the fact that that there's some legacy there. And so I'm curious, just as someone who, you know, had family who came, you know, from the South, and I know myself, I've lived in Charleston when we were just talking about when the Confederate flag was alive and well, right? Waving, you know, can you speak into what your thoughts are when you turn on social media and you see what's happening? to black and brown bodies today? Absolutely. Um,
1: I think I love this question because I I think during COVID or shortly after, I think I disconnected in a way um, from social media and the news because this is my work. I talk about it every day. I'm also a community organizer. And so there was a point where I was like, I cannot watch the news. I cannot go into social media because my body physically could not take anymore could not see anymore could not feel anymore and i found myself getting numb to what i was seeing and so i was like i need to disconnect because if i lose feeling then i lose hope and then i lose the ability to fight and so in some ways i could disconnect by like swiping and scrolling in other ways i can never disconnect because all of these things impact me they impact my family they impact my community and so what's happening in the news today is new, but also not new. This country has a very long history and legacy of um, uh, putting violence towards, of neglecting, of disregarding the voices of people of color and many, uh, many other marginalized communities. So what we're seeing now is just the country as it always has been. And now people are able to see it because of the power of social media, because of the power of Communities organizing and making this way more visible. But many of us have been seeing this for years and years and years. And now others are finally putting on their glasses and seeing exactly what's happening in our country. And so, in a way, I do see things happening differently where people are thinking of what are new ways that we can respond because of how things work in this country systemically. So, that's been giving me a little bit of hope. But also, I'm very fearful of like, what is the backlash? of people becoming more open and more woke to what's going on. And in particular, for example, you mentioned the Alabama brawl. And in some ways, it was, it's very powerful because the the boat that was supposed to dock was called the Harriet. How, how mm. is that? The fact that it was called the Harriet. And it's like a reckoning that's happening. Like, Black people and people of color will fight back. But my instant question after was like, what are the repercussions after that? Who is going to be um, fairly prosecuted in the courts? Who is going to be blamed for this? Who is the narrative? Is, uh, how is the narrative going to be sh- um, shaped and shifted to um, demonize people of color in that situation when there was someone just doing their job and community protecting this person? And so I think this is the lens that I'm always looking at, um, but I'm seeing some spaces for hope, but also some fears that are resurfacing.
0: Yeah, no, I appreciate you speaking into that. There's a very popularized, uh, sometimes very cliche saying, right? That until the hunter right Ooh. no longer has the pen, right? And the lion learns to write. It's always going to favor, the, the story's always going to favor the hunter. Absolutely. And so I had no idea that, and for those who are tuning in, I don't know if you knew that the boat that docked was called the Harriet, but I think that you're speaking into something that I think is even deeper around the backlash. Mm-hmm. Right. right, around the backlash, when we are talking about showing up at work, talking about showing up in spaces where we have, I, I kept hearing again and again, it felt so cathartic, right, it was so cathartic to no longer have to turn the other cheek, right, that there was so much repressed rage and anger, and from a mind-body health perspective, you know, we like to draw it back to that, I heard several clients again and again saying, I just am tired, I'm tired mm-hmm. of seeing someone on social media who looks like me be hurt. It feels like, you know, or I'm tired of feeling like I'm misrepresented because when one person responds, then it's a response to, this is how the whole community is seen. And so this is why I appreciate you being on our show today. There's been an interesting response lately, and I want to draw it back to domestic violence. And I want to kind of unpack Mm -hmm. a little bit more. There's a response that I've seen. I was talking to my partner about this recently. We've been seeing a response of, those who are not justice oriented, I wanna be really clear, justice oriented, non ally, good old boy, white male uh, responses that have been saying, well, if they were just, if he was just silent and had not responded and had not instigated and just let them keep their vote there, there would not have been a problem, right? Similarly to how maybe you're at a table whether it's you're going back into the fall or you're out with your kids, right, getting ready for school, if, if you had just not responded mm. and not instigated, it would not have gone there. And so how interesting is it that when the shoe is on the other foot, it would have been us being violent. But when the shoe is is here, it's instigation. And so there's there's a there's a missing piece of how come you didn't allow things as is Wow, right? And so I want us to really, you know, kind of unpack that a little bit more about some of the misconceptions around diversity. That diversity equals keeping the peace. Diversity equals keeping and reinforcing what existed because you came along and you done stirred up the boat, you done flung his head up in the air, and that was the problem versus he should never have been attacked in the first place. Thank you. So let's talk about that because a lot of people feel like, here we go. You coming in with your diversity training, you coming in to talk to ruffle feathers. Let's just keep the peace because otherwise you're going to make it worse. Can you speak into that misconception? Of course.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Um, First of all, thank you for sharing that point. And I think that's why in our trainings, um, We focus a lot on talking about things like respectability politics and tone policing. And those concepts are basically a way that we keep black folks in particular, but people of color in general in line by saying, if you want these things, if you want justice, if you want freedom, if you want equity, if you wanna be treated like a human, you have to ask nicely or speak nicely or speak in a peaceful behavior. But in that situation that you just mentioned, The situation would have been stopped if they would have listened to the person telling them to remove the boat. Where is the conversation around? The only reason it escalated to that point is because they didn't respect the co... He was actually a captain and not a security guard. He was co-captain of the boat. Um, They didn't respect this man's title. They didn't respect him um, racially, as you can tell. And then it escalated. But in so many of these conversations around violence, it's always blaming the victim. And that shows up, like you said, in domestic violence as well. If you wouldn't have spoke up to the person, then they wouldn't have hit you, which is very harmful because it's blaming the victim. And so we have to be mindful, people of color and white folks, um, how we talk about situations of violence in particular. Who are we putting the blame on? Who is the actual aggressor in this situation? And a lot of that is tied into white supremacy, where we will always say, the person of color and particularly black people is the more violent, aggressive one. This man was just doing his job asking to remove. And we did not talk about the behavior of the white folks who thought it was okay to beat this man in public for doing his job. And so I think we also have to analyze where do we police the tone, the behavior of our own people and how that leads to that violence being allowed. And that's not okay. And the second thing that I saw on social media a lot which in the beginning I was like, Okay, this is kind of refreshing. Like a lot of um white folks were going on and talking about like y'all deserve that. They they were talking about um how the black folks defending themselves in that situation and the in the brawl that white folks deserved it because of them instigating it and they were supporting it. It was a lot of jokes around it and they were like claiming like, Well, that's not us, that's not me, that's our racist friends in the South. But there's a very thin line that I think people need to be mindful of. Even if you do not, um, if you do not speak overt racist language, even if you're not speaking um, ill of people of color, you are still responsible for those people on the dock. And I don't want white people in particular to separate themselves from that because the reason that happens is because people are silent about those issues It's because they see it as a separate thing that only if you're overtly racist is there a problem. No, you are also benefiting from those structures. So what should have happened, what I would have liked to see is how, as white people, are you responding to this incident and saying, I want to make sure this doesn't happen again. Let me speak to my grandpa and let me speak to my uncles and let me speak to the white women in our family to talk about why this was not okay. Why is this allowed to happen? are you having conversations in the workplace around like how do we have a really justice centered conversation in the workplace so everyone can show up authentically and make sure this doesn't happen again so it was a good trend of people calling them out and being like yeah they deserve it but also what is the work you need to do for yourself and for the the ones you love to make sure that this does not happen again to make sure you are not complicit not only in like physical violence but structural violence violence in the workplace Because you may not have been on that dock, but you may have policed the tone of a Black woman in the meeting that is also violent Mm -hmm. too. So using that moment instead of separating yourself to be like, ooh, how am I also bringing violence against people of color, and particularly Black people in in the workplace, at school, in the line at Starbucks? Anyway, think about Mm -hmm. that. It would have been great to have that be more of a reflective moment. And I know some people definitely have, but that was something I was thinking of as I was um, watching the social media post about it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. What, what I love about what you're speaking into, and if you're tuning in and you're giving snacks, right, comment <laughs> below, share, because this is, we're having real honest conversations. So, yes. so what I love about what you're speaking into is how do we hold ourselves accountable oh. and our own communities accountable, like really speaking into that. I remember we were recently doing a training with the governor's office cabinet, we were talking about racism and some of the challenges around looking at the ways that when you are showing up, even in the workplace, how sometimes silos can happen yeah. because all of a sudden, because you might have spoken up or said something doesn't feel comfortable, or you asked a question and it rubs someone the wrong way, you went from being a part of the in crowd, even as a leader. So all of a sudden you find yourself being out of those circles, right? Even how that can be a form. If you are someone who is in the in circle, to be able to have the power to speak into it because you are in it, to be able to say, What do you see happening here? How do you stand up as an advocate? I notice that you're excluding, you know, Raquel from this this meeting. Should she be there, right? The same way that someone on the dock could have spoken into. Hold on a minute, y'all. This this five or six on one here. Let, let's, let's stop this, right? Versus jumping in and being apart. I also want to speak into something that I think you're 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 opening the door to is around tone. So from a mind-body health perspective, it's so tricky, right? Our triggers, right? That I know even watching it ancestrally, I felt like I was like, Yep. I I I, I, I literally, and for those tuning in who know I love dance. I love drumming. I I have a a strong connection to indigenous traditions. I wanted to sing one of the songs from Wakanda. Like, I just felt like, I was like, oh my goodness, right? So here's here's the thing. There's so much healing work that's needed in our communities, which is why I love the collaboration of wellness and equity, right? Because here's the catch-22. If I, as you're taking your child back to school, who you might be tuning in, if I see my child you know, speaking up, and there's a trigger. Like you know, maybe they're afraid of a police officer. They jump back when they see a person passing by that doesn't look like them, and you pull them close and you kind of shut them down, or the opposite, where you, uh, you know, they, they're speaking up and they're they don't have any space or or or, 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 or um, outlet for their anger. There's no way to channel it. Yes. Can you speak into how do we navigate our triggers? You know, as in 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 the workplace, when you know you're not just mad at that person, you're mad at all the other times that you saw something happen and maybe didn't have space to 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 really hold or honor it. Can you speak to a moment? or a story that you saw where someone mentioned that they were, you can tell a triggering moment was happening, but it wasn't just about that one moment. Maybe it was ancestral. Maybe it was older than that moment. Have you had a moment like that with one of the trainings or experiences you've had? Oh, absolutely.
1: And it's usually a person who holds a marginalized identity, whether it's around like race or gender or class or the intersections of all of them. We definitely have those moments. And what I do to help let me see if I could because I can't name specific, specific moments or names or people, but there's always a moment where I can tell there's one staff member who just needed this one space to share this moment that they this moment that they experienced. Usually a microaggression happened in the workplace and they finally, because of the space that we created, were able to share. And a lot of times folks get emotional. Um, Folks are. In in good and bad ways, emotional as in like Mm -hmm. they have to re triggered and have to feel that moment again because there was no accountability after. Or they feel relieved to say like, I can finally say this in the space and be authentically me. And I have a facilitator who's in the room who can help buffer this conversation. Um, So yeah, we've definitely had a lot of moments. And I can tell instantly um, from our trainings who has been dealing with a lot in the workplace, who has tried time and time again to show up authentically in the workplace. And was not able to or face consequences for it, whether it was socially or um, systemically in the workplace. Um, But I have experienced that, too. And a lot of times they come up to me after to just just say, thank you. Like, thank you for that moment for me to share. And that's a lot of the reason why I do it. Because sometimes you won't see the impact of your work, but that one thank you from that one person who felt siloed or felt alone or felt separated or wanted to be authentic. And this was the first time that they were able to do it. That, those are the moments that keep me going in this work. Because I know DEI is not the solution to the system that we have, but it's definitely one leg of the journey. And so moments like that help me to keep going. But I wanted to piggyback off what you said around healing. I think the one thing that I definitely want to get more into is there is a missing wellness and racial healing component that's missing from DEI. Not to say that everyone is missing it, but something that we center is like, how do we make sure that there's restoration after this conversation is ended? How do we make sure we ground the space and have have people breathing or do any kind of grounding practices before we even start? Because a lot of times it is very triggering doing this, even as a facilitator, because the things that I'm talking about, I've experienced myself. I'm directly impacted. We're talking about the identities that I hold. And so wellness is key. If we are not talking about healing, if we're not talking about the mind, body, spirit connection to DEI work, then we're missing a whole piece and we're missing what true transformation can look like. This work is not about academics all the time. It's literally about our lived experience and how we are embodying the values that we want to be sharing. And so thank you for saying that because if we're missing that piece and think it's about definitions and learning, we will not get
0: far. Absolutely. So just to reiterate, if you feel like it's just about definitions or learning, we will not get far. That restoration piece is so key. And some of the things that I've heard you say and I've heard, you know, members say that we've worked with are thank you for helping me speak to someone for the first time in the workplace. that I never got to speak to before because I've kind of been in my own um, unit, if you will, or thank you for giving space for me to have a voice or thank you for acknowledging and holding accountable people who I never felt like I could have accountability over. Thank you for bringing ease. Thank you for helping me in ways that maybe I never had as a kid, but now as an adult, I can have space for true authentic emotion, right? Thank you for creating a breakthrough so that I can get that promotion so that that glass ceiling that was silent is no more. And so I appreciate the way that you're speaking into it. And so, you know, just as we come to our time, if you can give, you know, one or two tips to someone who says, you know, I'm seeing all this stuff happening and it's great that we have it, you know, recorded and and things are trending and and they have chair memes and all the things going on out there, right? And not to condone the violence, to acknowledge that There is real emotion that's built up and it's coming from a place, right? We need to understand it. But say you see all of that and then you still show up at work and you feel like no matter how much is recorded out there, we still have people who shall not be named that are getting indicted and still running. We still have folks who have the head, the hood off. And are, are showing up with the same principles, even with all the media attention, you know, there the are challenges just that, that still exist in the world. And, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I embody being me without being my anger being interpreted as just another angry person, just another angry queer person, just another angry woman of color, just another angry leader? How do you embody your authentic self at work? Um, with all of this in mind, any tips that you have for folks who are listening in who are saying, yeah, I get it, but what now?
1: I think that's such a complicated question too, because I think most of us probably have come to work authentically at some point. And what happened was that there was some kind of backlash or there was some kind of rejection or there was some kind of pushback that happened. And so I think for me, I would reverse it a little bit and say, Not how can you authentically show up at work, but how can we organize with other people, um, whether it's through DEI trainings or whether it's through your ERG groups, employee resource groups, but how do you organize together with the people in your workplaces who are like-minded to create a culture, to create a systems of accountability where if you do show up authentically, you are affirmed in that. You are supported in that. You are not demonized for coming as authentically you. So it has to be the workspace that has to shift to help people show up authentically because people are going to show up how they're going to show up, but they're going to respond to how the workplace either um, affirms and accepts them or rejects and pushes back on them. So I think how can we as people who are directly impacted or marginalized, organize together to push these organizations and workplaces to make those changes and for people in power, I would say, what is the work that you are doing? One, to intimately get to know yourself and to see how you are impeding on others' um, ability to be authentically themselves. And how are you, people in power, thinking about the culture that you're creating to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to show up authentically? Because we know who is able to. There are very particular people who are always able to show up authentically themselves and others who don't. So what is the work you are investing in and doing um, to make sure that everyone is able to do that? So for the people who are asking for how they can show up authentically, I think you're probably already doing it, but how are we pushing the workplace to affirm that so you can continue doing that? And people in power, we are looking at you because you hold the that um, that power. You don't hold the culture, but you hold the power on whether that culture gets to shift and makes everyone feel included, feel safe and feel like their space is valued there.
0: Absolutely. And we want to really just honor the stakeholders, the decision makers, you know, the key leaders who can, while also the folks who have been a part of the community for a long time, who are part of the holders of culture, right? And so, you know, we recognize that leading today is not an easy job, and you are holding so much on your plate, and we recognize that there are personalities and challenges and cultural nuances and language, and all of that comes, but the gift is, we say here on the show, as an everyday superhero, you do not have to do it alone, right? That there is there's a, a misnomer of the, wolf, the lone wolf, right? You get thrown to the wolves, you come back with the pack, right? You can leave the pack, but still come back with the pack. So this is why resources, supports are out there, such as working with Simone Gamble's organization, because you want to make sure that you can connect so that you can hop on over to the 21-Day Challenge and feel like you're taking good care of your mental health, you're taking good care of your mind-body health, so that if you get triggered, you get to support the pioneer forward, right? So let's really tune in and just give a round of applause just for yourself right now for showing up for you. We're going to do one more, <laughs> okay? Just because you showed up for you today. Thank you. <laughs> I enjoyed this conversation so much. You are so
1: powerful. So I just send you all the love.
0: Oh, thank you so much. And so are you. And I just, for those who are tuning in, I feel like if you can anchor into that, right, that you are powerful, right, that you are seen and that you are here to stay, right? Because your legacy is much stronger than this moment, right? It didn't start with this moment and didn't end with this moment. So for a moment, I just want to land in where we started. We're just going to inhale some self-love, And exhale to let go what no longer serves us in alignment with the building our legacy. Because when she remembered who she was, the game changed. Thank you so much, everyone who tuned in today. And before we go, please do let us know, Simone, how we can connect with you. Because we want to make sure that we can bring what you have to be able to do some culture shifting and changing within our organizations. Absolutely.
1: So, my organization is called ORS, I'm Organizer Activist Critics Advocate Referral System, and we refer organizers and activists to do Justice Center trainings. You can reach us at www.ors.com, which is O3A's You can email me at Simone at ORS.com. We're also on Instagram. My LinkedIn is Simone Gamble. You can find me there. I love adding new friends. And also we are looking to work with schools. So we created a justice journal and curriculum to talk to young people about the very topics that were mentioned here. So looking for collaboration, for partnerships, for work. And I'm just so happy to have been a guest on the show. Thank you and great meeting you all.
0: Absolutely. And you heard that as we kick off the school year, we want to set things aligned so that as we're processing things as everyday superheroes, we can help our young people do what maybe we may not have had the opportunity to do when we were younger. So do check out dot com and connecting with Simone Gamble. Hop on over to selfloveforsuperheroes.com, which you'll find below. And you can always go ahead and like, subscribe. And if you would like to be a sponsor of the show please do email our executive assistant, Rose, at support at sacredwalker.net. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining. And remember, what's coming up in my head is you and ITY for some reason. So if, you, if for some reason you're hearing that, I want to we got jam out a little bit in your head, right? Because no one can ever mislabel you but you, all right? So thank you, everyone, for joining and have an amazing rest of your day.